Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, Just last week, Chris and I had a brief conversation about Ecclesiastes. And so I thought I would open this evening's sermon with, uh, straight from Ecclesiastes chapter 1. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. What does man gain by all the toil at which he toils under the sun? A generation goes and a generation comes, but the earth remains forever. Words of Ecclesiastes chapter 1. Toil and labor. What more is there to life? You wake up, you drink your cup of coffee or tea, and then you go to work. Then you come home, you eat, and you shower, you sleep, rinse, and repeat. Day after day goes on until you finally get that urge to retire, and then you put in another 15 more years, maybe longer. But countless years go on by and by, and some people never wake up from this cycle to see anything more than what their eyes can see and what their hands can touch and feel. They live for themselves, they live for a life that they have created, and they do not see the work of the Lord present in any of it. Their hearts are set towards their own goals. They're set towards their own ambitions, and all is truthfully centered around themselves. And what they cannot see is that they are enslaved to the devil. No one else. They're enslaved, and that is it. Jesus cried out before our gospel reading today to the crowds denouncing the cities where his most mighty works were accomplished, these beautiful miracles which had been done to show that he was truly the Son of Man, God's only begotten Son. But they did not repent. That is why the Lord denounced them. As you heard just moments ago in our reading from Isaiah chapter 6, This is the one to whom I will look, says the Lord, he who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my words. Woe to those cities who would not turn to Jesus and repent of their sins and receive the gospel. They were filled with pride, and their pride was their foolishness their knowledge, their demise. Jesus said, I thank you, my heavenly Father, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. The proud, the secure sinners in this life will never understand the will of God because it is revealed to the humble to those who come to the Lord like children. He didn't say to them, come this man or that man, come all you, is what he said. All whoever has that great weight of the law upon their shoulders, all who sorrow, all who are in the midst of trouble, all who are sinners. That is who the Lord was calling But why did he call them? He desired to bring them relief and comfort and remit their sins. He wanted them to have peace. Jesus had no need for them to give him anything. He had no need of earthly glory. 
The devil tried to tempt him with such things. You remember that when he's thrown out into the wilderness, as we will hear in upcoming Sundays. But what did the Lord do? He would not be tempted by such foolishness. His glory is in seeking your salvation. His glory is in going to the cross to his death. He doesn't just want to free us from a perishing world and slavery from the devil. He wishes to give us the quiet peace of knowing that we are God's own children, brought out of captivity and made for eternity. Jesus wishes to free us from all things, to restore order in our hearts and in our minds, to know that God is truly over all things, ordering them on heaven and on earth, to teach us what God's will truly is. It's not just like what all of these preachers will tell you who want you to see good days and vain glory. They'll say, God just wants you to be happy. That's not the will of God. The will of God is when he breaks and hinders every evil plan of the devil, the world, and our sinful nature. That's the will of God. Because without it, without God breaking the devil, the world, and our sinful nature, without God's hand stepping in and hindering all of these evil plans and temptations, we remain lost. We remain lost in toil and labor, vanity of vanities. Without the freedom that Christ gives to all who come, one otherwise remains enslaved. And think about this slavery that we speak about. What a heavy and great weight is upon the necks of men. Not just the moral law of God, the Ten Commandments, but think about all the other things. Humanity is enslaved to things subject to time. As I said, what they see. People are quick to order their lives and ambitions towards all of these goals which are fleeting that pass away from one generation to the next. They cannot hold on to these things for any longer than that they draw breath. And so many are ready to stand in these things which will not stand the test of time. Not even their own reputations can do that. No one lives forever outside of Christ. But yet there are some who still have a desire to gather things that will pass away. And yet when death comes knocking, they find themselves unwilling to pass away with them. Jesus cries out to the whole world, repent. Be humbled. Confess your sins despair of your own strength. Do not think that you can possibly be exalted by your own works when at, the ta- when at the same time, in doing so, you must also despise the work of Jesus. Turn away from vanity to serve the Lord. For your toils and your labors in this life have no lasting value apart from Jesus. But with the peace and rest that Jesus gives, there comes to us a gift. For when one is enslaved to the world, both the body and the soul will tire until there is nothing left and nothing more to give of the body. But with Jesus, 
this gift comes to us, that the body is still sure to tire, but the soul will find its rest. There is rest for the soul. And because there is rest for the soul, the body is too comforted. In all of the life of sorrow and in all the life of trouble, yet our bodies will find rest when our souls are at rest in Christ. When Jesus said these words to his his disciples, he brought them a desire to come toward him, showing them that he is most excellent, most loving, and most caring. For he invites them, saying, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And then he gives them this. He says, take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. What Jesus accomplishes for us in the flesh is what we were unable to do. It is the exact message that the apostles were sent to share with all the world, which we have just gloriously sang in our hymns to spread the message of Christ's love to the world, that Jesus truly lived in perfect obedience to the will of God, truly and ultimately went to the cross for our salvation, bearing in himself all of our transgressions. And we receive what Jesus has done in our baptism. We receive Christ's yoke, what is easy becomes ours, and what is ours becomes his. Consider now what the apostles spoke of when they considered the next one to replace Judas. They found someone who had left all and who had followed Jesus from the time of his baptism, which is his public ministry. The man and the two men that they put forward were of this sort. They had not worked for their own glory. They had not boasted in their own excellencies. They were with Jesus, following him in his public ministry. They were among the witnesses of Jesus and his mighty works, and their hearts were humble and contrite in spirit. They knew the words of the Lord, and they were to serve as the Lord's witnesses of the resurrection. They searched for a man whose heart was toward the Lord and the Lord's works. They cared about the man's heart. They weren't looking for an arrogant man, not a man who made a name for himself, but a humble child of the Lord, ready to serve as a witness of Christ and his mercy. You and I, we also are called to be witnesses of the mercies of God. We would not otherwise be able to see the goodness of the Father in our life had Jesus not come and revealed the Father and his glory to us. But tonight and every day, our beginning should be with that humble and contrite spirit, trembling at the words of the Lord, and yet at the same time receiving them in our hearts as the very words that grant us peace in our life. Tonight and every day, our beginning and end should always be in the Lord. So then whatever works we do in this life shall not be in vain, but shall be to the glory of Christ's name. 
in Christ, our bodies, as we work the good works that the Lord has prepared for us, our bodies may certainly grow weak and tired. But never shall your soul grow tired in the Lord. For Jesus has accomplished the work of your salvation and has secured it in his own hand so that you may be driven forth in this life in peace and security and hope in the one who has accomplished all for you. Toil and labor as you must, but do so in Christ, for in Christ you shall have rest. In Jesus' name, amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all our understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord.